When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This podcast is a proud member of the FanHub 100. Football without fans is nothing, so we've partnered with FanHub to put fans first. Search FanHub app to play your part in the journey. You're listening to the Voices of the Vic podcast with Ben Ayton and Mike Duffy. This episode contains some strong language. Hello and welcome to the Voices of the Week podcast with me, Mike Duffy and Ben Aiton. We're also joined by Tom Weeks from the Golden Pages fanzine. Ben, starting with you, how's your week been result aside yesterday? Yeah, week's been pretty good, mate. I can't really complain. We're Premier League, aren't we? I'm still living on cloud nine. Um, Yeah, just celebrating all week with pretty much. Um, To be honest, I kind of forgot we were playing yesterday. It didn't feel like a match day at all. Um, and because it wasn't really that important, really, was it? We, we, we knew we weren't really going to catch Norwich up. So it was a bit of a nothing game. And when it came three o'clock, it's like, oh, shit, we are actually playing football today. Um, <laughs> and then, but yeah, um, fully recovered from our drinks on Saturday night. Um, I, I didn't have a hangover, um, which is pretty good for me. I normally suffer really badly. So I'm quite happy with that. Um, but yeah, how, how's your week been, mate? And how's ahead Sunday morning? Did you manage <laughs> to play Sunday league football? Was you left back or was you in goal? Good stuff. Yeah, no, uh, my, my week's been all right. You know, as you say, the, the build-up to the, the game yesterday was almost non-existent. And, you know, we'll talk about the social media boycott in a minute. But, um, yeah, I mean, football aside, week, week's been brilliant. My head was absolutely fine on Sunday. Um, I was dreading getting up on Sunday because I thought, oh, I'm <laughs> going to feel horrendous here. And I woke up. And I've developed this really annoying habit recently of waking up around six, half six, even at the weekend. And I was up and I went to football and I played in goal, got 90 minutes. We won 5-2. So I was happy with that. Um, but well, so you did two goals, though. Wouldn't be that happy. Well, well, one I'll hold my hands up for. The other, <laughs> I got, it, it was, I'll tell you what the other one was like. It was like Lazar's pass back to Daniel Backman. Uh. Uh, oh, he's so short. I was sold very short, um, but then it was my fault for the second one. I, I called keepers when I thought the ball was closer to me, but in actual fact, it was not very close to me and the defender didn't head it because I'd shouted keepers and then their <laughs> guy got a free head and just headed it in. So, not my wifey seller, but um, I was eight, I, I was playing in goal and I, that was probably the first time I played 90 minutes in about three years. And I kid you not, it was probably about Wednesday or Thursday I stopped aching. Like, I, 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 I'm, 
I, I just don't understand. Uh, but yeah, it, it was good. Uh, no left back appearances for me. Um, so the, the the wingers were happy that they weren't getting absolutely crunched. But yeah, um, all good, all good. Thank you. Uh, and and like I said, we are joined by Tom Wicks from the Golden Pages fanzine, and Tom's been on before. I'm trying to think the last time he was on. It, it, it it's been a while. Uh, but how's how's things been for yourself, Tom? All good. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, like like yourselves, I'm I'm still buzzing after uh, after last weekend's. Um, yeah, I think it was uh, last time I was on was it's about January. It's after the Huddersfield game. That was so it's a one. very different uh, yeah. position that we're in then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's been a, a whirlwind of a season even since that game, you know. So yeah, it's uh, glad to hear you're doing well. And towards the end of the show, we'll be uh, you'll, you'll be telling us about the, the new issue of the Golden Pages fanzine coming out. So we we look forward to that. But we are here, obviously, to talk about yesterday's 2-0 defeat at the Brentford Community Stadium against Brentford. Um, I mean, result-wise, disappointing. But I think Ben, you summed it up perfectly. You know, I, I feel bad for saying this because obviously I want my football team to win all the time and I never want us to lose. But it just didn't have that feel to it yesterday. And I think... Obviously, with what's going on on social media at the moment, for those that don't know, um, all the you know Premier League, I think most of the Football League, if not all of it, all the big governing bodies, they're basically boycotting social media as of, I think it was, was it Friday, 3pm, through till yes. Monday, no, Tuesday, one minute past midnight. Um, and obviously, all of this is because of the online abuse uh, and I think it's it's important to highlight as well, we're not just talking about racial abuse here. We're just talking about abuse full stop. And I think I, I wanted to bring up an example. Like obviously, we know how how ripe the, the racial abuse is at the moment. And it's absolutely disgusting. I mean, me and Ben picked up on it in the, the, the post-Reading podcast when Liam Moore was subject to a, a poll that was was quite frankly it was disgusting uh, made by Reading fans so I mean we could probably do a whole podcast on on the the issue of racism within the game at the moment uh, but I mean just on you know it's not just about the racial abuse so, there, there was an incident I saw in the week where um, you know soccer Saturday do they go around the grounds and and they've they've got um, they've got a plethora of reporters that are going around the grounds now remember when Chris Kamara was at Portsmouth and he missed the red card that would I would probably say that is probably one of Sky Sports' most viewed clips around like on their social media. If you were to travel through all of their videos, I would I would be pretty safe to say that's probably their most views. Everyone was laughing. Oh, Cammy's a legend. It's so so funny. A couple of weeks ago, Michelle Owen is one of these Sky Sports um, pundits that they go to the ground in. I can't remember what game she was doing. There yeah, was I a, saw this. There was a similar incident. She'd missed. Um, She'd missed a red card. I think it was a Warsaw game, actually, coming to think of it. And um, it was put out on social media. They were expecting sort of a similar... I mean, even even Jeff Stelling sort of replied in a similar way. He says, get your fingers out, count how many players. A bit like you do with Kamara. And yeah. I think they were expecting a similar response. But the response that Michelle Owen got in that, women shouldn't be allowed. This is why you don't get women on. And I'm thinking, you know... That's that's out of order. When Chris Kamara did it, Cammy's a legend. That Cammy's known for that, and everyone was laughing, and you know it was all funny and that. But because Michelle Owen's a woman and she's doing the football, it's like it's flipped it on its head, and she had to actually come off social media for a, for a few weeks because of the abuse that she was getting. 
and I, I think that it was a highlight to to it was important to highlight that point. Uh, and it, it's not just racial abuse that, that they're trying to stamp out; it's abuse full stop. And it, the the um, the social media companies, it's it's as simple as if you sign up to an account, you need to take a picture of your ID. Like anyone that's got betting account, if you open a betting account, they they ask you for a picture of your ID to just to verify everything. The same should be done for every social media so these people can be held accountable. You know, another example, you know, Ian Wright was racially abused by that lad in Ireland and the judge let him get away with it. He says he, he's this is his first offence and, you know, he, he's from a good background and that he's, he's got away with it. More needs to be done about it and hopefully this boycott sort of wakes these social media companies up and, yeah, hopefully we can... We can get that stamped out and it's it's just bad to see i mean everyone is it just felt so weird at the weekend and we've still got another day or two of it it just felt weird and people have got to realize that this is what it will be like if it continues so i i just thought it was important to highlight that obviously you don't want to give them any more airtime but that that's we've obviously done it on our social medias as well i'm, I'm you know me and ben aren't going to lie it has been tough not not being able to tweet not being able you know on a match day i like to, we like to put tweets out we like to get the fans' feelings. We like to, you know, we see the build-up. Um, the Watford Twitter, you can sometimes fill it on the timeline. So I felt completely lost yesterday, but something needs to be done about it, and hopefully they will. Let's actually get into the game itself. Um, we didn't know what to expect team-wise. Now, Ben, when the team was announced, there was a few changes. I'll just run through the team. It was Backman, Messina, Sierra, Cabaselli, Kafkart, Goslin, Hughes and Cleverley. Semmer, Gray and Hungbo. Um, and we saw Pochettino on the bench as well, which was good. Um, other than that, it was your usual run-of-the-mill players on the bench. Was you expecting quite a quite the amount of changes that we made, Ben? Or, or, or was you sort of maybe a bit surprised? Obviously, we know we didn't have anything to play for. Yes, Cisco alluded to wanting to challenge for the title in the week. But let's be honest, you know, a, a Norwich win... To, to ask for them not to win in the last two games would have been a big ask. So what, what was your general thoughts around the team news yesterday when that came out? I was I was hoping that we was going to play a strong side still just in case Norwich did slip up because we would have kicked ourselves if Norwich ended up losing yesterday and we didn't give it absolutely everything and played all our top players. But it was a much weaker side than what we would have wanted to field against Brentford um, that we could have hoped for, really. Um, we were without our two top goal scorers in Ismail Asar and Joel Pedro. And then when you also add in to that, Kiko was missed in, Nathaniel Chalaber were missing, who have both been phenomenal as well yeah, this season. You just knew it was going to be one of those afternoons. You knew it was going to be a tough afternoon. And you probably knew deep down that Watford weren't going to get anything out of the game. Uh, delighted for Humbo to start his first Watford match as well, but I just gutted how it ended for him. Mm, yeah, he come off with a hamstring injury, I believe. Um, yeah. I mean, yesterday's team moves raises the question, and, and you might have the answer to this, but what's going on with Jeremy and Gakia? Like, yes, Kafkart's been brilliant at right back when he's been been you know called upon, but is he is he injured? What I just don't understand what's going on with him. Um, a couple of weeks ago, he was uh, Watford tweeted saying that he had a minor knock, and that's why he wasn't fit enough um, right. for one of okay. the games. Uh, I think it was a game after the Luton game, um, so that's why he wasn't in contention for that. Um, I think it, actually it was a Norwich away game 
when we played oh, okay. Cathcart at right back. So Watford actually said that he had a minor knock and obviously that minor knock has probably kept him out of the side for longer than he's expected. Um, we might see him this weekend, but I, I just doubt it now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we think this lineup's a bit weird. I, I, I'm looking forward to seeing what he looks like against Swansea at the weekend. Um, well, we've Tom, got nothing to play for for that one now. Exactly. The title's gone. So, yeah, just play the youngsters. Play the under 23s. Do you know what, though? A little part of me <laughs> would like us to absolutely, like, batter them. Because at one stage, they were so confident that they were going to pip us and they were calling us bottle jobs and everything. So, even though it's a nothing game, I would love us to absolutely hammer them. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, I'm I'm happy if, you know, that young lads that we've got up front for the under 23s, give him a run out. Was it Couture or Couture? He looks I, good, I don't doesn't know. he? He looks very, very good. Now, Tom, obviously we've spoken about, you know, how we felt going into the game. What what was your general feel going into the game? Did you think that team was strong enough to maybe come away with a point? Would you have been happy with a point? Did you want the win? What, what was your general thoughts towards the game? To be honest, I'm, I'm not sure. Yeah, I mean, the game wasn't really that important was it really in a whole grand scheme of things after uh, it was a bit of a, a case of sort of after the Lord Mayor's show really which is to be expected you know they've all probably you know had a few beers I saw at least two of them with cigars as well so <laughs> fair play to them for, for doing that but yeah I just I thought it was a bit of a kind of mishmash of a lineup I wasn't really sure the message that he was uh, that Zisco was was making there um I mean, he had he had Hungbo in there as uh, as Ben said, which was which is brilliant. Absolutely delighted for him making his first start. Mm. Um, but then, yeah, it was sort of you know, Semma was still in there. He could probably have done with a rest. Um, yeah. you know, Gosling. I mean, it, it, there's a few, a couple of players sort of waiting in the wings, or a couple of the youngsters that that may have been given a chance. I mean, Wilmot perhaps instead of Cabaselli. I don't know. It was, but then again, it was almost as if. Um, he kind of he wanted a point from it, you know. It, I, I, I didn't feel as though he had the strongest lineup, but then again, I didn't feel as though, you know, he was using it as a as an opportunity for for the kids to play, perhaps, you know, or some otherwise, you know, some players to get experience that wouldn't otherwise have, have got a game there. Yeah, yeah, and I think you alluded to it, Ben. It, it, you know, we could have risked Chalaba, we could have risked players like that, but at the end of the day, we were fighting for the title in in a sense, but. You know, as I say, it would have been a big ask for for Norwich to. I mean, they did go one nil down, uh, but yeah. then they ended up winning four one. So you know, it would have been a big ask to maybe you don't want to risk playing Chalabar. I know he's been playing for a couple of injuries. I think Troy Deeney alluded to it in the WD eighteen interview. Which, by the way, if you haven't seen that already, go and check it out after the boycott because YouTube one, yeah. been boycotted as well. Uh, but yeah, best one yet. Completely agree. Um, but I think he. I think Troy alluded to it that uh, Chalaba's been playing through injuries. So, you know, do you really want to risk playing him and maybe making it worse just for the sake of Brentford's where, you know, it was a, it was a nothing game really. And I think it sort of started like that. I think Tom alluded to it, you know, a couple of being on the beers at the weekends and, you know, obviously Andre Gray, he, he was still smoking that cigar the next day when he was on, um, on Instagram live. And uh, yeah, so I think it was telling that, you know, they we just won promotion and they may have been a little bit rusty, but I think the yeah. game sort of started like that as well, didn't it? You know, it was, it was very slow. I think our best chance was probably Dan Gosling 10 minutes in, I believe. Uh, I think Kafka had one just before that, but he glanced ahead of wide. But do you think Gosling should have done better with that chance, Ben, or am I being too harsh thinking he should have done better? 
I actually thought Watford actually started the game quite well. The first 10 minutes, we had two good opportunities. Like you say, Cathcart had a header where he was unmarked and put it wide for post from a cleverly free kick. And then it was an explosive run from Hungbo, wasn't it? Where he was driving from pretty much the halfway line to the edge of the box. And then he got brought down, but the ref was playing an advantage. Ball fell nicely to Gosling. But if I was Gosling, I'd be disappointed there. You've got to really try and test to keep it better than that. It was pretty much straight at, at Raya. Um, so he, he should have done better with that. But I would have liked uh, John Moss to actually bring it back for a free kick there because it was it was a clear and obvious foul and hung bone. We didn't yeah. score, so I wanted, I wanted <laughs> the advantage <laughs> to be over. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean... Uh... Was it was that inside the box for you? I mean, I'm just watching it back now, and it you know you've seen the line, given, haven't maybe. you? Yeah, I'd say it was outside. It wasn't enough for it to be inside for me personally. Um, yeah. it, it was it was it was exciting to see it, see him drive with the ball and that with like no fear at all. We've said this before on his debut at Old Trafford. He's got no fear. He's just very positive and he yeah. just gets the ball and his first intentions to get it forward and to see his burst of pace yesterday and to drive to the edge of the box. It was it was good to see. And it's like, this is signs of what he can actually do. And like I said earlier, it was absolutely good for him to come off with looks like a hamstring injury. Cisco's mm. said after in the interview that it doesn't look too serious, but you've got to be gutted for him. He looked gutted when he came off. Yeah, yeah, you would. I mean, you know, it sort of reminds me, obviously not on the severity levels, but it reminds me of Tom Deli Bashiri. You know, he was he, he had such a great start to the season. And then, you know, hopefully we'll be seeing him back next season. Just just sticking with Hungbo, Tom, I'd, I'd be interested to get your viewpoint. Do you see a place for Hungbo in this team next season, considering we've now been promoted? Or do you think maybe a loan is better for him? Or, or, or would you be happy playing him? I think it would largely depend on the the incomings in in summer and, and obviously the outgoings. I mean, it would be great as a you know a kid coming through the under twenty threes. I know we got him from Palace, I think originally. Yes, but it'd be great to see a player kind of progress because that's not happened in the last few years. And I think you know following relegation, I think that was something that um, that Gino Pozzo and, and Scott Duxbury were kind of keen to change and and to show that there's a a route from the, the youth side into the, into the first team. So I, I think he's a really exciting prospect. It'd be great to have him um, in and around the squad next year, I think. Yeah, I, I think I think this was something else that Troy alluded to in, in one of his interviews. And yeah, I, I think since the Pot... And listen, I'm not slagging off the Potos one bit, but before the Potos, Watford was very much a club of... You, you're bleeding through the, the youngsters from, from the youth team, you know. Um, some of them weren't very good, but they still got the chance. Uh, Michael Bryan, Matty Witchlow, uh, Adam Thompson, uh, you know, and that, that's just to name a few. I think perhaps the last one I remember coming through from the academy, and yeah, I know Hungbo coming from Palace, but he's still come through that route of the, you know, youth football to the first team. But the first, the, the last one I can really remember um, is Sean Murray. I, I, would I be right in saying that? There's not been another one, another obvious one that I'm missing, is there? It's got to be I Sean think, Murray. I think there was Brandon Mason. Yeah, Brandon ah, Mason. And uh, Michael Felivi as well. That was the season mm. under Matt Zari, wasn't it? And um, we had terrible injuries at the time. And I think we were playing Tottenham at home. And Brandon Mason, come on. I think Michael Felivi played a part as well. Um, and then He was on the bench a few times, wasn't he? That's and right. he came off the bench at Stoke away. Stoke. That was it, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, but the, the last one to really play a, a, a serious part in the team, I would say, would would maybe be Sean, Sean Murray's the one that sticks out for me yeah. in terms of promise, you know, potential. Uh, unfortunately, didn't quite live up to, to the 
potentially in the end and he had a few personal problems I believe but uh, it is going to be interesting to see what part Hungbo can play in this side next season and I think Tom's hit the nail on the head there with it does it really does depend on if we you know the incomings that will be coming in and you know will we look to recruit for the, that side will, will we look will we stay with what we've got who knows? It's, it's going to be very, very interesting. And, you know, there's, there's been a few transfer rumours already, which we'll get onto in the latter part of the show. Um, going back to the game, um, the crossbars took an absolute rattling yesterday. I mean, the, that's probably the most I've seen the crossbar hit. You know, Brentford on the 17-minute mark, uh, 17 minute mark, they had a, a deep free kick, which evaded everyone. And I, I can't remember who it was at the back post, but he, he's just looped it over Batman. I think it's hit the bar and then gone out as well. Um 30 minutes into the game, Ben, they did have the ball in the net. Um, very, very good call from the linesman, by the way, to, to spot this. It was Fours, who I think actually got their goal in the end, um, their first goal. Yeah. He, he he sort of snuck round from the corner and uh, and, and sat it in. But it, it was it maybe this... I know it was obviously ruled for offside, but was a goal maybe coming for Brentford? Could you see that sort of, not complacency, but... Could you see the tempo going that way towards the end of the first half? Yeah, no, definitely. Um, Brentford had a lot more possession and I say he looked a bit more free on the ball, um, yeah. playing with a bit more freedom. Um, and then the chances kept on, uh, kept on coming. Like I said, Watford's um, last chance was from Gosling on the 10th minute and then yeah. we had those two injuries to Cleverley and Hungbo and it, it just switched over to Brentford and Brentford were getting a bit more joy out of us. But it was good that we managed to go in that half-time at 0-0 because uh, I did worry that maybe if Brentford got one or two before half-time, it could have ended up being three or four and we want to chase this uh, good defensive record that I think we're actually level with at the moment with Preston um, which is 30 goals because yeah it was back in the day um, when Preston used to be really decent I think they only conceded about 30 goals in the the championship season Um, and I think we're level with them now so all we can do is just tie with that now Um, so we've got to go to play Swansea at home next week and hope we don't concede anything and then we've got the joint best defensive record in in the second tier of English football I thought you meant we were level with Preston this season and I checked the table and they've conceded 55. I didn't realise you meant all, all together. Uh, that's yeah, some, yeah. some stat that is, some foreigns. Um, at the moment, we, we do still have the best defensive record with, with 30 in the league this season. Uh, I believe it's Norwich who's the next best defence having shipped 34. Um, but I think you're absolutely right. You know, as you say, it was important to go into the break at, at you know, nil-nil because the more that Brentford got the ball, you could see the, the confidence. Obviously, those two injuries sort of knocked the wind out of our sails as well. I mean, just in the first half, as you say, it was nil-nil. Possession stats, 55 to Brentford, 45 for us. Six attempts in total to Brentford, one shot on target. Uh, two attempts for Watford, one shot on target. Um, and then four corners to Brentford and one to Watford. So, you know, neither... I know there was a shot and target for, for both, but uh, going into half-time time, no, neither keeper really... Well, I, I don't I, I don't want to say really, Tessie, because obviously Backman put it straight at Gosling, but I don't think there was much to worry about in terms of either side. Was you maybe thinking going into half-time at nil-nil that we might actually get something here, even though it's a depleted side? Or did you did you see that Brentford were growing in confidence and, and thought, you know, hang on, we better, we better hold on for this? Yeah, I, th- I thought there were quite a lot of moments in that first half where we were under the cosh and going in at nil-nil, um, 
it was it was quite positive to be honest. Um, <laughs> but um, you know, we found quite a lot of times this season that you know that we, very rarely do we have a, a game where we're you know good for the entirety of the the ninety or bad for the entirety mm. of the ninety. So I kind of expected a a bit of a reaction in the second half. But I think um, the Tom Cleverley injury on half an hour um, that really changed it for me. And I think you know. I think Zinconago was moved inwards and success was, was put out wide. And once you lose a player like of, of Tom Cleverley's influence and his engine in the in the middle, I think it was it was always a, an uphill battle to uh, to to win the midfield um, fight. Really, yeah. I, me and Ben have highlighted numerous times this season how pivotal Tom Cleverley is in that midfield. As you as you said, you know the engine he's got. He chased down every lost cause, and you know he, at times yesterday in the second half, I'm. It almost looked like Ken was playing in, in the middle um, and, and maybe they pushed Sinkanagel to number 10 or they pushed him out wide, I don't know. But obviously losing a player like Cleverly is going to um, sort of knock the wind out of the sails. And we we had no Chalibur as well. So it was Hughes, Gosling and then and then Zinkanagel. So that's obviously a key, key player that you want when you're playing a team like Brentford. So obviously going into the break at 0-0, we were perhaps thinking, you know, Brentford's really sort of maybe slightly growing with confidence in the game. Let's just see how long we can hold on for and, and we might nick a point, we might nick a goal, who knows? Um, <laughs> they didn't quite think that and it was almost curse of the commentator. I think John Marks alluded to sort of hoping that Brentford didn't score. I think 46 minutes on the clock and it, it, it was lazy defending, you know, the, the ball completely across the face of goal and that's probably the easiest goal that falls to score all season, isn't it, Ben? It, 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 but, would you, I think it's fair to say it was probably coming, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It was a very slow start from Watford and we've seen this before. I said last week when against the Millwall um, side that we played last week, the second half, Millwall had two chances in the first first minute in the second half and it was like, come on, wake up. We can't, we can't just react, react like this after a half-time whistle. Um, and it was exactly the same yesterday. I don't know if Brentford saw that and studied it and thought we could get a Watford straight away in the second half because they react really slowly. And that's what Brentford did and fair play to him. It, it works. They got to the byline. I thought Sierra Elsa should have done better. He let the ball go across his body there where he could have easily put it out for a corner. Actually, to be fair, we've praised Sierra this season and I, I don't think it was his best game yesterday and I think that needs to be highlighted. I thought... Mm-hmm. It, Sirieta had probably a day to forget. I thought Tony had the beating of him on numerous occasions, even force. He didn't look strong enough um, yesterday. I don't know if that was down to the partnership change because I thought Cabaselli did all right. Um, but Sirieta probably looks more comfortable when he's got true Econ next to him. And that may be down to the language barrier as well. Um, we've, we've, we've heard about they all talk different languages and communicating that. When you take true Econ out of it, who speaks about two, three languages and put Cabaselli in, who I believe just speaks French and English. Um, yeah. I don't think Sirielta speaks French and his English probably isn't great either. So I think that might have been a, a worry for Sirielta yesterday. And that's probably why we didn't see the best of him. But yeah, and then he ended up giving away a penalty as well. So I was yeah, just going to say to, that. It yeah. was a day to forget for Sirielta. Yeah, that links in quite nicely with what I was about to go on. Obviously, that was 46 minutes on the clock, not the best start in the world. And, you know, they always say a goal before half time sort of, changes it well I think that set the tempo for Brentford a goal just after half time I, I think it was really poor again you know they worked the ball down the side and it was again it was Messina's side and he just about kept the ball in I, I don't know who it was that crossed it but it was a it was a really deep cross we didn't 
sort of deal with it. We didn't get the ball out. We didn't head it out for a corner or didn't clear our lines. And then it was clumsy, wasn't it? You, you know, not the most contact in the world, but absolutely a penalty. And I think maybe highlights, as you say, Ben, Sirialta's yesterday, um, his performance. But just with that goal, obviously, some Tony stepping up, you, you only know, you know, there's only one outcome. And that was how he scored against us uh, in the reverse fixture. He's only scored penalties against us. So, you know, I don't know whether that's credit to the defence that we've kept him out in open play and we've only sort of limited him to penalties. But uh, Backman gets the right way, but it was a brilliant penalty. And, and the, the you know, they were, they were well on their way to three points, weren't they, Tom? And that really, really knocked the stuffing out of us, didn't it? Yeah, I, th- I think it had, uh, it had killed any any chance of a, of a fight back or any prospect of one after, after that went in. Um, yeah. I, mean, I mean, Dan Backman got very close to it. He must be uh, yeah. must have learned a lot from from Gomez uh, training down the years with him, because um, yeah, Tony's very difficult to read from when he steps up with his short run up. But yeah, you know, credit to Backman, but it was it was a great penalty, and yeah, it was it was, it was always going to be difficult from there because we you know we've got nothing to play for, so. Mm. Yeah, yeah a, I mean, a, a lot yeah. must be said for the goalkeeping coaches. Obviously, Fozzie saved the penalty against um, Adam Armstrong earlier in the season. Backman saved three in the penalty shootout against Oxford. And he's, he's saved one at Rotherham. Um, he's saved, I'm sure he's saved others as well. That, that probably eluded me at the moment. But, um, you know, they obviously done the homework because I think Tony went the same way in the reverse fixture as well. And Foster was in goal. And Foster dived the right way. Uh, but penalties like that, yes, it's a nice halt for the keeper, but it was so in the corner. You went, you went reaching that and, you know, a, a player in, in the form that Tony's in, I think he's scored 30 goals in the league now, which yeah, is the first, just... first time a player's done that since Glenn Murray for Crystal Palace. Um, Only could, so yeah. could have re- recreated that form with us, eh? Um, but some things, some things aren't to be, unfortunately. But, you know, absolutely incredible player. Um, obviously, a load of people saying, you know, if we go up, can we look at getting him? Uh, personally, I don't think we will. There'll be other bigger clubs that'll be sniffing around if Brentford don't go up. Um, I think so, it'd be too expensive as well. Yeah. Um, after oh, the, the season the he's had now, they you, would you, demand. <laughs> you'd be looking 30, 40 million for Tony now. Um, so, yeah, I think there's cheaper options elsewhere and we're going to touch upon that a bit later on. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I, I think... <laughs> The, the the next best chance that we probably had was 72 minutes in, I want to say. Um, deep cross again. And Isaac Success did very well to sort of hold the ball up and sort of get a strike and goal, Ben. And uh, again, the bar was rattled, uh, not for the first time in the, in the game, but that was probably our best chance for the rest of the game, wasn't it, Ben? Yeah, definitely was. It was a good opportunity as well. Really good long ball in from Messina um, out on the left-hand side. Finds sight the far post. Not sorry, um, success on the far post. Chesses it down and unleashes a powerful shot. I think he probably hit it too 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 hard, if I'm totally honest. And then yeah. Raya manages to get fingertips and pushes it onto a crossbar. And I think if we're listening to the sources now at um, Breath. Brentford, the crossbar's still shaking. Um, <laughs> he hit that hard. But yeah, great opportunity. Should have done better. I think there was another chance just a bit after where Zinkley played in Parisio and he looked to dink for keeper. But yeah, enough said about that. We weren't good enough yesterday. I think we was on the piss still. And like Tom said at the start of the show, I yeah. think Premier League football's in sight. Um, we've got the job done. And I don't think... 
we can really say much else about the match, really. <laughs> no, I, I mean, they, as you, as you rightly point out, obviously, Zinkanagel played a brilliant ball through. Maybe a bit too wide for Parizza to take it on first time. Uh, I know it's easier said than done. He's a professional footballer, I'm not. But um, I think Brentford rattled the bar again on the 89th minute. But... Um, yeah, it, it wasn't it wasn't a classic. It was great though to see uh, Pochettino come on. I, I I did like the fact that he came on. And maybe that was a bit of Cisco admitting that it was a bit of a nothing game. Let's throw youngster on, get some minutes. Unfortunately, couldn't have been in set better circumstances for him. But um, yeah, it, it it wasn't really to uh, to be for us yesterday. I mean, some we we've mentioned this already, but. It feels weird saying this. I'm not too disheartened. Obviously, I want us to win, but is that the feel from your side as well? Yeah, I think so. It's, it's, it's one of those games that, that will be forgotten, you know, next yeah. year or down the line. Even when we're thinking, you know, back to sort of five years' time, we won't remember this game. It, it was just, it's just a bit. I mean, I'm I'm so pleased we're in this position where we didn't need any points against Brentford. Yeah. Oh yeah, imagine <laughs> if we had to. <laughs> that, would, that would have been a nervy watch. Let me tell you that. <laughs> Yeah, so absolutely chuffed that we got the job done last week. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, as we've as we've said, you know, obviously, unfortunately, it was a a two 0 defeat for Watford at the Brentford Community Stadium. I mean, if they don't go up, I must say I am gutted that we we won't get the chance to um, go to the Brentford Community Stadium next season because I've driven past it uh, before and uh, it looks a, looks a decent stadium. I'm just not sure on the seat colours. Um, I was going to say the same. I'm not too <laughs> sure on the, what they've done with the seats. I think you Indonesia know, have done the same over in Italy at their, their ground as well. I think what they do, they, they make, do it different colours, so it looks like when they don't have a full crowd, there's people yeah. actually sitting in the seats. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I think that's why they do it. Uh, and as you say, Udinese do it as well. So, yeah, it's... Um, unfortunate defeat, but, you know, the Premier League, who cares? Um, I mean, obviously, I... I I, I, I do care because I don't want Watford losing but at the end of the day with Premier League completely on the beach by the looks of yesterday's performance hopefully we can turn up next week against Swansea um, and you know it'd be nice to, to win because that home record is phenomenal and we've only lost two at home all season I, I, I know the season's done now but I, I wouldn't like I, I don't want us to lose again at, at home. I, I really want to keep that record intact. And, you know, I know it means nothing now, but I, I tried having a look um, over the past few seasons. And I think if we win on Saturday at home, that will be the best home record in the last 10 years that anyone's had in the championship, I think. And I think it was Wolverhampton Wanderers that had 53 points. is the best record in the last 10 years. So that is some some going and hopefully that continues on a, on Saturday. Um, before we answer your questions that you've sent in, guys, uh, we're going to go to a quick break and then after the break, um, we've got some topics that Ben has very, very kindly put together because uh, there's been a lot of news uh, since the promotion's been confirmed and yeah, it'll be good to talk them through. So we'll go to a quick break now and then we'll be back with some topics and your questions. <laughs> Do 
Voices of the Vic is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in the men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision engineering tools for your family jewels. Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide. Join the movement for all your below-the-waist grooming needs. Get 20% off now and free delivery with the code VOTV at manscaped.com. Manscaped has just launched in the UK, and we've gone years without using the right tools for the job. You can be one of the first men in the UK to experience their life-changing products. That's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. The Manscaped engineering team has perfected the greatest ever ball trimmer ever created and just released a new and improved lawnmower 3.0 in the UK. The third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents. Yeah, um, when I tell you this is premium, I mean premium. The battery will last up to 90 minutes so you can take a longer shave. It's waterproof as well, so it allows you to groom in the shower. And one of the coolest features is the LED light, which illuminates grooming areas for a closer and more precise trimming. They've also upgraded to a 7,000 RPM motor with quiet stroke technology. And let's not forget about the charging stand. Show off your mower loud and proud because this intelligently designed stand is a convenient charging dock powered by just USB. So if you're listening right now, I want you to experience that firsthand for yourself. Let's get that bush to the touch clean. It's 20% off plus free delivery with the code VOTV at manscaped.com. Make your testies your besties. <laughs> get 20% off at and free delivery with the code VOTV at manscaped.com and your balls will thank you. Thank you for rejoining Voices of the Vic. We really do appreciate it. As I said before the break there, uh, Ben has been hard at work. I think you sent me five pages worth, Ben. So you've been a busy boy, haven't you? Getting these, uh, getting these topics together. I like, um, I like to do my bit. Yeah, oh, mate, absolutely, and it's it's massively appreciated. Um, <laughs> first bit of news is Adam Messina was named in the championships team of the season um, at the EFL awards uh, EFL awards ceremony. He played twenty three games. We had 17 wins in those 23 games, 14 clean sheets, and as Ben has rightly put here, two huge goals. That winner against Nottingham Forest, which was another drab game, but he got us a winner. And that first free kick that we scored since Alman Abdi against Aston Villa back in 2015-16 season. So, um, I mean... (laughs) I'm delighted for him, and he has been—he has been a key part. You know, the, uh, to be honest, he's another one where people rightly questioned him uh, at stages in the season. But I'm just surprised he's been chosen, and that's not me being biased. I think there's a lot of Championship fans out there that are maybe surprised that Messina's got in the squad. I mean, what are your thoughts on that, Tom? Was you maybe a bit surprised when you saw that he was named, and maybe not like? Well, I could reel through the whole squad, but yeah, you, you get my point. But was you perhaps a bit surprised that it was him that got in the squad? Yeah, maybe a little. I mean, it's always it's always a bit of a strange one with those um, sort of teams of the season. I, I mean, personally, mm. I've only been watching Watford this season, and you know our opponents, so I can't say I've yeah. watched any any you know any other. Mm. Uh, who's the right back for Norwich that got in the team? Oh, uh, Max Aaron's. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, he was he was chosen over Kiko, who's 
probably our player of the season. But yeah. again, I haven't, haven't watched Norwich. So, I mean, it's always a bit funny with those um, teams of the season because, you know, each fan base has their own their own view on it. Um, but, you know, I, I can't profess to have watched yeah. know, more than two Norwich games in the ones that they played. <laughs> so I'm, I'm not going to get too sort of upset about it. The important thing like for me is, is that... Um, that we go up the personal accolades are great for the players and stuff but yeah yeah take that with a bit of a pinch of salt to be honest yeah absolutely um i mean the the next bit of news we've got here as well is to do with the stadium obviously me and ben have spoke about in the last uh in in a couple of podcasts ago uh this whole move to bushy was it is it right is it do, do we want it but ben there's now it's now been announced that there's plans to redevelop Vicarage Road and expanding it to 30,000 uh, fans. Uh, building work possible before 2025, and the first phase would be to add 4,000 seats to the Sir Elton John stand and then add a further 5,000 seats to the I was going to call it the Rouse, then um, the Graham Taylor stand. Do you think that's probably a better option? Because I think we talked about it a little bit in, in one of the podcasts, but. Vicarage Road holds a lot of memories for a lot of people. So surely this makes more sense to expand this. Let's get it to 30. Let's see if we fill that 30. Because I think I vaguely remember there was a point where Watford had the biggest amount of no-shows on the match day. So let's let's try and fill that 30. And then who knows what might happen in the future. But would you much prefer it this way, Ben, expanding Vicarage Road? Yeah, 100%. I think all fans feel the same, but everyone doesn't want to leave Vicarage Road. It holds so many memories for everyone, um, whether it's from them being a kid or them being older and taking their little ones along to Vicarage Road and all the special games we've seen there, like the Troy Deeney goal um, against Leicester. Just remarkable and we'll never, ever forget these days. But I think the first thing that we need to think about is redeveloping Vicarage Road before we even look at other places yeah. and with what the government are doing now they've, they've ended up giving a lot of money to NHS hospitals and they're looking to redevelop Watford General Hospital and they're looking to rebuild like parts of the hospital and that's what's looking to help out Watford's case of staying at Vicarage Road because where the back of the rail stands is mm-hmm. the hospital is moving from that site completely um, okay. so there's like a massive bit of land that's got buildings on at the moment but that would be knocked down and Watford yeah. would actually have that bit of land to actually build on and that's if if it, if it the NHS didn't have that funding from the government Watford would have had to look elsewhere because you can't physically build when because you've seen Vicarage Road it's so tight isn't it like the, yeah. the back gardens back onto pretty much the Elton John stands you can't build at the back now because they've put the flats there and you can't build behind the Vicarage Road then because you've got the road there so with the hospital moving slightly out of position now it allows us to build a massive stand over where that um Graham Taylor stand is so I think that's helped out massively and I'm I'm all for staying at the Cridge Road yeah 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 that's interesting you say that I know this is a bit off topic but where the allotments were are they are they going to be flats are they um that looks like it's going to be um is it going to be a car park Tom for the hospital do you know I, I think so. I think it's a multi-story um, car park if they're going to do for a hospital is going to build there, but we can't even build back onto that because we ended up building flats at the back of the rookery, so we can't we can't do uh, any building yeah, work there now. Yeah, yeah. Well, it'll be interesting to see. I, I much prefer that way. I much prefer expanding Vicarage Road. As you say, so many memories. Troy Deeney goal. 
Uh, Juan Carlos Paredes, his debut, that's got to be up there as well. <laughs> that was absolutely unbelievable. I'm still yet to see a better debut. Like Robbie, I, Robbie Savage breaking his leg at Victory Road as well. Um, I maybe a bit so, too young to remember that. I did not know he did that. Uh, oh, what about saving Al Bangura and him staying? Oh, um, that was brilliant. What about Marlon, Marlon King being injured and then he coming on at half time, giving a massive like trying to roll the crowd up to try and keep us promoted? <laughs> what about uh, Tamas Priskin's first goal in a Premier League, but then it got postponed and called off against Wigan because I of was at that game. Pitch. I was in I was in the Vicarage Road end and Paul Jewell come on the pitch as well. I think Paul Jewell was manager for them, and uh, it was AD Boothroyd and Paul Jewell like kicking in the goal towards the Rookery um, towards in Vicarage Road end because I think the referee was trying to wheel a straight look. It's absolutely tipping it down here. The, the the ball's just holding up and it's not even moving. Um, yeah, um, the, the, like you say, so many uh, so many memories. I remember that. Chap, yeah, chap, it's that a falling on, off the, the structure. Ah, yeah, <laughs> I remember that chap that was on X Factor, and I think Sharon was his mentor. And didn't he bring her to? They they come on the pitch at half time once. That might have been against Southampton, the seven four in a, in the League Cup as it was back then. I'm pretty sure that's what happens. Um, do you know what as well? Sorry to yeah, no, no, carry on. It's as well as all the memories that, that we've got, which is you know through, it crosses so many generations. But Vicarage Road is such a unique grounds. Yeah, like all the new state. Well, most of the new stadiums they're these sort of Lego built bowls, and apart from the colour of the seats, there's nothing you can differentiate them from. But Vicarage yeah. Road's yeah. got real character, and you know if there's if they can redevelop it or increase the size of it, whatever they want to do, they should absolutely do that. There's no reason for us to. In my view, outside of you know the commercial side, for us to go, it's it's embedded within you know the heart of the community. We're a couple of minutes walk from town. It's a, it's a no brainer for me. Yeah, yeah, and you know we we we've you're absolutely right there. We we talked about you know whether you walk from the train station, you know that walk up to Vicarage Road when you can see the stadium through the high street, and it's yeah, it's, it holds so many memories, and I, I think you're absolutely spot on. If they can if they can redevelop that and make it more capacity, then I'm I'm more than happy, and I'm sure loads of others will. And you know, it, hopefully that that is the case. Um, moving on to to some injuries now. We obviously no Kiko for many yesterday. He'll miss the uh, Swansea game as well. He uh, he picked up a groin injury um, last weekend against Millwall in the, the one nil win. Uh, Isaac's success was obviously back in full training. He missed the Millwall game due to a minor knock. Troy Dean is undertaking conditioning work outside with a view to rejoin the full training during the week ahead. So, I mean, could we maybe see him on the bench against Swansea? Who knows? It, it might be too soon. I I'm not sure. But um, And then also aiming to return to the first team squads for training is um, Tom Delibashiru who's continued his outdoor rehab work. And boy, I can't wait to see him next season. Hopefully he's, um, that, that injury hasn't done him too, too badly. Um, and then, you know, it's this part of the the season's not even finished yet, but there's there's some transfer news already. We've opened talks with Chelsea over signing the exciting young striker Ek Ugbo in a five million pound deal. Now he's 22 and he's been on loan at Circle Bruges in Belgium this season, and he scored 16 goals in 32 appearances. And before that, he was at a team called Roda where he'd scored 13 goals. Um, in, in I can't remember how many appearances. Um, Circo Bruges had an option um, worth five million to make the deal permanent, but he'd prefer to move elsewhere. I don't know whether he'd 
prefer to be over in England. Uh, but it's believed that the initial discussions uh, began earlier this month and uh, another meeting scheduled within the next few weeks. And um, it's still in the early stages. I mean, Ben, first first time I've ever heard of him. It's it's tough to judge him without actually watching him. But it looks like we're going with youth again and we, we really want to push his youthfulness in, in the side, doesn't it? He's only 22. Yeah, um, really young guy, but he's he's got quite a lot of experience. I think he's had about ten loan spells away from Chelsea. He's one of yeah, I think he might have been one of yeah, he's one of the Chelsea academies that they tend to loan out and and, and just carry on loaning out until his contract expires and then he moves on. But um, yeah, they've got a lot of hopes for him. Um, I'd I'd be a little bit surprised if they let him go if I was a Chelsea fan um, because I've, I've had a look at some of his goals and that he's a bit of a poacher. He doesn't really score goals outside of the penalty box. All of them yeah. are coming just inside a six-yard box or, just, or by the penalty spot. He's, he's always in that area. And if you think if we had Ken Semmer and Saab putting in the crosses in, which we've done this season, cutting in the byline, putting them into the box, mm. and have eluded Gray sometimes or eluded Pedro, um, yeah. I think Ukbro would be there to put them away. So it, it's it's an exciting um, possible signing. But what I will say is this is all happening because we've got promoted. Um, yeah. We've got the advantage um, of actually being promoted with two games left in hand. I know we played it yesterday, but we've got one game left now. Um, there's teams in the playoffs that can't prepare for next season um, because they don't know what division they're going to be in. Bournemouth don't know if they're getting a promoted or not or staying in the championship. Whereas Watford, they've, they've secured promotion last week. So we, we can full steam ahead and look at transfers and that. And I think that's why we're seeing so many rumours coming out now. And we actually saw a medical midweek as well, didn't we, Mike? We did indeed, yeah. Um, he's going to completely do me trying to pronounce his name. Quadwo Bar, I think I've got that right. Uh, he had a medical at Watford on Wednesday. He's 18 years old and he's he's been playing at Rochdale and he's out of contract for them in the next few weeks. And he scored three times in 29 League One appearances. Um, he was actually very, very close to joining Man City in January, but supposedly failed a medical now. Uh, that was on the 72club.co.uk when we found it. And I think the Athletic have picked on it up since we we found that link. Um, but I, Tom, I, I think Ben alluded to it perfectly there. And perhaps where we've gone wrong in previous seasons, it has massively helped that we are already promoted before the end of the season. And the Pozzos are surely, in, in our eyes, they're doing the the correct thing to start looking already and not wait for the season to be over. And they're obviously going for youthful players. So, Exciting times to be a Watford fan at the moment with these transfer links coming up, Tom. Yeah, definitely. I think, um, well, I mean, the, the Potsos would have been preparing for this eventuality maybe a year ago. As soon as we got relegated, there would have been, got no doubt they would have been scouting for players for, you know, when we, or if at the time, we were to, to return straight away. So this is probably long long in the uh, long in the running. But, you know, now, as you said, they can they can actually take some steps and, and they, they've got such an advantage as, as Ben said over you know the, the playoff teams and hopefully that'll be uh, that'll be you know good for for our summer acquisitions. I mean looking at the, the last time we went up, you know, we picked up some real gems. Yeah, yeah. Like Barami, Kapu, Holobas, uh yeah. Prodal I think came in as well. So yeah. we've we've I think we, we we do need some additions and um yeah, it's an exciting time. It is indeed. Um, we're also linked with 
AFC Wimbledon striker Joe Piggott. Now, Ben, when you put this one out on social media, it's fair to say it got a bit of a mixed bag of reactions. Um, he's 27 years old, so he's used on his side. Um, he scored 20 goals this season. I don't know if he scored yesterday for Wimbledon. Yes, he did. He I scored didn't. yesterday, so he's up to 21 now. 21 goals uh, in all competitions, and he's out of contract at the end of the season. Uh, and I don't know, did Wimbledon win yesterday? I know they're in a bit of a relegation scrap, aren't they? Yeah, I think they drew yesterday um, uh, against a team who's higher in the division yeah. as well. So um, they're fighting for their lives and he's still managing to score. Oh, no, they actually lost 3-1 yesterday. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, all, it's all good. Just as well, this isn't an AFC Wimbledon podcast. We would have we would have looked like right idiots then. Um, but yeah, no, as you say, 20, 20 goal, 21 goals, 27-year-old for a team that's fighting relegation. I mean, personally... If he was a little bit younger, then yes, I'd take a, a hit on him. But I, I don't think he'd, he'd play much in the Premier League, if I'm being honest. And he definitely wouldn't be starting over Pedro or whoever else we bring in. So, yeah, I, the Daily Mail of... I don't know it where feels, they put that it, one out of. It feels like his agent's trying to get him a move. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd tell you what, if his agent does get him a move, then bloody hell... That agent will be, he'll be held in high regard if he pulls this one off, I tell you. Um, and, and Rob Elliott as well, you know, it was his birthday the other day. We, we, we can't tweet, obviously, because of this boycott. And it was Javi Garcia's birthday yesterday. So massive, massive happy birthday to him, the absolute king. And it was Rob Elliott's birthday the other day as well. He's actually likely to earn himself another contract after agreeing a short-term deal in January. Uh, he's in, in, impressing his peers and, and staff. So, you know, he'll it, it, be good to have around in the Premier League. It'll be one of them that'll be good to have around the dressing room. And I think a lot of people will actually be surprised, but I, I think he's actually played quite a big part in, in helping us get over the line. But, you know, we look at Gomez when he wasn't playing key key figure in the changing room and it's cliche to say he'll be an important player in the dressing room but let me good. just compare let me compare him and try and make sense to what you're all saying um to, for everyone else Rene Gilmartin yeah yeah uh, absolutely key he, you could tell that he was such a key character uh brilliant on co-coms by the way absolutely superb him and John Marks were super but he um he really really did impress that season didn't he um but he's he's likely to earn himself another deal, and then Pontus Dolberg he's set to spend another season on loan. Now I don't know about you, Ben. I'm a little bit disappointed reading that, and I would be if I was Dolberg as well. Um, a little bit, but you've seen how well Batman is doing this season. Do you really want to stop the development of Batman as well by bringing back Paul uh, Dolberg and maybe putting Batman on the bench? Um, I don't think you'd want to be doing that to Batman at the moment. And Dolberg's Dolberg's thriving with the the first team football he's getting at the moment. So I wouldn't want to stop his development either for him to sit on a bench in the Prem. So yeah, I'd let him stay out for another season on loan and then reassess after that. Would you keep him where he is at the moment at Harken in Sweden or would you bring him out on loan over here to get experience of English football? That is a question. Oh, that's a good question. Um, he's done he's done phenomenal over in Sweden, yeah. hasn't he? Um, yeah, yeah. Would you want him to come over and play Championship football? Possibly, uh, yeah. if you want to maybe build up his um, physical side to the game, because um, you know English football is much more physical than the Swedish football. Because yeah. um, I, I I watch lots of Swedish football, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. Swedish football expert, <laughs> Scandinavian yeah. football expert over here. Then <laughs> I, I knew about I knew about Ken Semmer when he was twelve. So yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but but yeah, um, 
possibly bring him over to a top um, top half championship side and see what he can do. I mean, we, we're saying this, the, the article does then go on to say he would then return next summer once Foster leaves. So, the the, the you know, he's likely that Foster's leave. I mean, I read a, an article in the week and <laughs> you, you know it's silly transfer time. And uh, Ben Foster was linked with Man City and it's obviously to do with filling the quota. I think Scott Carson's finally going to be let go from City and they need someone to fill the English quota for the Champions League. But, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens with Dolberg. Um, some good news as well. Will Hughes and Nathaniel Chalabar extending their contracts is on the agenda. Uh, they're both heading into the final year of their deals. And this is all from The Athletic, by the way, that we got this news. Uh, so brilliant stuff from them. But how key is it? I mean, this might sound um, this might sound like a silly question to you, Tom, but how how key is it that we, we sort of pin them down and get them new contracts? Like, throw, throw the check at them. Let them pay them what they want. It is key that we keep hold of them, isn't it? Yeah, I think they were, they were obviously being key to our successes this this season. Um, you know, perhaps Chalaba was a, a little late to to bring his best form to the table. But yeah, I mean, it, you know, they're, they're at great ages as well, so it's not going to be kind of dead money in the way that perhaps the Andre Gray and Troy Deeney deals might be sort of considered. They've still got years in them, and yeah, I think it's that's the first thing, first priority, I think, for uh, for for Gino over the summer. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, com- completely agree. And, you know, the fact that we almost lost Chalabar, I was, I was talking to you about this in the week, Ben. That, that was, looking back on it, I don't think anyone actually realises how crazy that actually was. Like, Leicester wanted Chalabar, but they wouldn't, they wanted him to replace Chowdhury because Newcastle wanted Chowdhury, but then we wanted Longstaff, but they wouldn't let him go until Chowdhury came over and then Leicester wouldn't let him go until we sold Chalabar. So it was an absolutely crazy, like, triangle and it was an absolute madness. And thank God it was so complicated because Chalabar then went on to thrive. Um, We would usually do your questions, but we are a bit pushed for time. So we will make sure 100% that we do them next time. So, uh, you know, last time, you know, we, we always say thank you very much for the questions and we really do appreciate it. So, yes, we haven't read them out, but we will 100% read them out next week. Um, and obviously, if you then send in more questions, we will do. Um, Swansea next, lads. Just quickly, just to, to get your thoughts on, on, on the game and then a, a little score prediction. Ben, how are you seeing this one panning out? And, and then just give me a little score prediction, please, buddy. Well, I think we're on the beach already, aren't we? At the moment, yeah. so I'm, hope- I'm hoping they come back from the beach a little bit because I don't want to end the season on back-to-back defeats. Um, oh. So, uh, and with our home form as well, I want to continue that. And you touched upon the record that we could possibly chase with that Wolverhampton uh, record. Um, so, yeah, I want us to play our strongest team that we've got possible. I know there's lots of niggling injuries and that. Uh, sure. We could see if we could see the likes of maybe Troy Deeney coming back as well. Uh, that would be good to see if he can have like a cameo appearance from a bench. Mm. Uh, but it'd be a tough game. I think Swansea need to play good football and try and probably win back-to-back games after they won yesterday against Derby and they need a bit of momentum for the playoffs just like Brentford did yesterday. So it's going to be a tough game. I think we've got enough. I just hope... Uh, yeah, just hoping for a good performance. Um, I'm going to go one nil Watford. I don't think it would be very pleasant on the eye. No, are you feeling that same way, Tom? 
Uh, I, I think, yeah, it's, it's not going to be, I mean, again, we've got nothing to play for, so it's it probably be in the same sort of vein to, to the Brentford game, to be honest. I'd like to see um, a, a couple more of the youngsters or uh, the, you know, the players that wouldn't have got much of a, a run out that, that are perhaps, you know, future prospects uh, mixed in with a bit of experience because Swansea, Swansea are a great team. Um, yeah great championship team and you know we may end up seeing him in the Premier League next year so it'd be good to see the youngsters get a run out against good quality opposition uh, I'm, I'm personally not not that bothered about the score um, or, or the result again it would be nice to to keep home form but I just yeah it'd be good to see an entertaining game really it would if you was to be pushed for a score prediction what would you say I'm gonna say 2-1 to Swansea. Yeah, sorry. Wow. <laughs> That's the first time anyone's ever gone against us, you know, on, on the on the podcast. So <laughs> you've, uh, you've surprised me. Um, now, nah, listen, I, I think you, you boys have summed it up perfectly. I don't think it's going to be a classic. I, I think it's going to be a very scrappy affair. Uh, Swansea might look to be, you know, pushing and really trying to push us because obviously they'll want as much momentum going into the playoffs. So, um, I'm... I'm going to go. I'm going to go two-one Watford. Uh, it's going to be a scrappy one, and I think I think we'll just come out on top. Um, so, but it will be a very, very close game. Now, uh, before we go, obviously, Tom is the uh, one of the editors on the Golden Pages fanzine, and uh, Tom, you've got you've got a new issue coming out, haven't you? You want to tell the listeners about that? Yeah, have indeed. Yeah, at the end of the season, it'll be a, a we've got an exciting um, season review um, issue of the fanzine. Um, we've got some really good features. We've got a, an, in, uh, an interesting interview with Micah Hyde. Um, got a look back at, at Lloyd Do- Lloyd Doyley's first Watford goal, um, and it's it's really the 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 fanzine's got a focus on on what we've missed about Vicarage Road and and football during um, the last season. I've um, got some great articles from Watford fans. And what I've been working on this week, which is really, I'm really excited about, is um, a season review with a panel of Watford fans. I've been doing Zoom calls all week, um, collecting um, fan, fans' thoughts about the season. So I've got a busy job to kind of get that, uh, <laughs> get that all collated. Um, and yeah, we've got a competition as well to, to win a copy of um, the sold-out Troy Deeney special edition, which is signed by the man himself um, after we had a chat with him. So uh, it's Pre-season, uh, sorry, pre-season, get rid of myself. Uh, pre-order is is available now uh, on our website, which is um, available on our social media, but it's also uh, goldenpagesfanzine.ecwid.com. And I'll get those all posted out um, once they're all printed in the next two to three weeks. Yeah, well, like Tom said, make sure you go and check them out. Make sure you follow them on social media as well if you don't already. Um, we obviously won't be tweeting about this podcast today, but on Tuesday we'll be tweeting everything and we'll we'll drop a link in there as well. So make sure you go over and pre-order that and get yourself entered into that competition. Uh, I think that was the one that we, we were... Um, lucky enough to, to do a, a little bit in as well wasn't it Tom the Troy Dean yes one? it was yeah yeah uh, yeah um but yeah make sure you go and check that out really appreciate you coming on today Tom I, I just you know sorry it couldn't be about a win but who cares man we, we're Premier League so I, I think that's all that matters but thank you very much for coming on today Tom it really does mean a lot no, thanks for thanks for uh, letting me come on. It's uh, been great listening to you guys all all season. That's not a problem. Thank you very much. And and, and before we do wrap up the show, uh, I, I think I speak on behalf of Ben as well. And Ben, I don't know if you'd want to add anything, but um, we say this all the time about the podcast. But 
I think even more so after the last podcast. We just want to thank the <laughs> listeners. Like the the response that we got from that podcast, the numbers that it's doing, the the individual messages, the the messages in our DMs and everything, it's just been like absolutely incredible. And like I I I just can't believe that it, it's we've not even hit a year yet and we're getting the feedback that we're getting but that last podcast i didn't envisage it going that way i mean i don't know if you want to add anything ben but wow it, it, it was yeah it was just crazy um yeah. like i said i said during actually recording it i thought it could either go two ways yeah. it's always a bit risky recording after a game and having a few drinks and I said about having new listeners, they might listen to us and go, what what fuck are you going on about? I'm not <laughs> listening to this again. But we yeah. actually had someone tweeting saying, don't worry, guys, I'm a new listener. Uh, and I loved it. Um, and for the, the figures that we've got it, and all the messages, like everyone passing the pods, it's just left speechless. And yeah, thank, thank you everyone for listening and your continued support. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Completely echo what you've said there. Um Myself and Ben will be back next week when uh, when we'll be talking about the, the Swansea game. Uh, we'll obviously tweet about that when, when it will be coming out. Um, we will be joined by WDA team frontman Jacob Coulshaw next week. So make sure you tune into that one. But thank you very much for sticking with us. Thank you very much. Take care. Come on, you horns. Podcast Network.